Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. Today, I have a model named Sophia on the other line. I was able to meet Sophia at an event earlier this year called Muses in Wonderland, and it was so fun, and she was so sweet, and I felt like I wanted to get to know her a little bit better, so I decided to invite her to the podcast so we could chat. (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, totally. So, like, I feel like there's so much that I could learn about you because... We hadn't met each other or interacted online really in advance until we met in person and you were so sweet. I'd like to know, and for the people listening, can you describe how you first got into modeling and then how your modeling has progressed until it's led you to where you are today? Uh, Yeah, of course. And just to comment on Muses, it really was a great event. And I met a lot of wonderful people and you were absolutely one of the highlights of it. You were so sweet and kind to me and welcoming. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Getting into modeling was like a really weird experience for me because I'm just like, honestly, just some random girl from upstate New York. I never thought that I would be here at all. I honestly don't exactly know how I got this far or how I got here. Definitely a lot of help from a lot of amazing people. But I had posted on my Instagram. So I had just gotten out of a, a series of just toxic and abusive relationships where I was really being held back. Like, you know, the people that say, you can't wear this out. You can't wear that out. You can't talk to these people. You can't have guy friends. You can't, you can't communicate with the outside world, you know, just very in a bubble. Um, And, you know, I let myself do that over and over again. So I definitely, I was in my healing era. So I was just really being myself, putting myself out there more. So I started doing some self shoots um, because I really didn't have the money to like, I guess, book my own serious shoots or anything. So I had started posting a little bit of that on Instagram, just really building my own confidence, even though I wasn't yet. I was like, if I just start believing it, I will start being it, you know, fake it till you make it. So uh, amongst my posting, somebody had reached out to me and said, hey, what are your rates? And I was so utterly confused. I first of all, like, I didn't know that freelance modeling was really a thing. Like, I guess the whole idea of modeling in my head was very out of reach and you needed like a manager and an agent and, you know, you had to have all these people hired because again, I was just a small town girl with a small town mind. And so I asked him a little bit about what he was talking about. Then he offered TFP since he found out I was not modeling, which is fair. (laughs) And He actually brought me to another photographer's home studio to shoot at, um, where I met another photographer who ended up being sort of my mentor, and he was really great. He introduced me to a lot of models that come through since he was one of the only photographers that was local to upstate New York. It was really convenient for me to shoot at that studio. So he was booking me more and more often, and the better I got, the higher he paid me, and he really helped me understand rates and things, and I met a lot of really amazing, beautiful women there who also were like, raise your rates, you're doing amazing and like really boosting my confidence and then eventually inviting me to travel with them. And that is how I started becoming a traveling model. Cool. So another traveling model sort of took you under their wing. Yeah, it was a few of them. But the first model and model I'm still dearly good friends with and I love her so much is um, Chandra. She's the sleepy cat on Instagram. She's just an amazing free soul who 
really doesn't take anything too seriously. So, you know, working with her was really easy to take a deep breath and look around. And she did meet with a lot of people on the East Coast in in Connecticut, New Hampshire, even a lot more contacts in upstate New York that I didn't know existed. New York City, she provided me like with a lot of contacts, even hosting opportunities. And that really super boosted me. And then I the, my mentor, the photographer I had been working with in the beginning, recommended that I reach out to SIG models. And so I reached out to SIG models and they did not want to shoot with me at all at first because of all of my tattoos and my piercings and things. And they were like, mm, I don't know. So I applied like a hundred times and I asked for a test shoot. And finally, I got over to Dover, New Hampshire, and that for sure was a huge boost to my very early career because that was only really in my first six months of modeling. So that was like a really big deal for me. Cool. So I'm aware of SIG models, but for people who are listening who haven't heard of them, can you describe like what they are? I guess if I was going to put a word to it, I would say like they're an agency more than anything. They're a super professional business that takes in a lot of models does a shoot day with them and then during the week they process all of the photos and you sign a bunch of them and they will sell those copies of your photos and then once you know they will rehire you every here and again to do more photos and more signatures but they have a really awesome program where you go and stay for the week and they're super awesome group of people Cool. Yeah. And they've got like a really big Instagram presence and stuff like that. So that that probably helped like when you first started to get more like exposure and stuff also. Yeah, absolutely. Even now to this day, a big way I'm recognized with first time shoots is, hey, did I didn't I see you on like Sig Models page? And I'm like, yeah, you did. That's awesome. Like, this is cool. Um, it gave me huge publicity and that like super boosted me. That's cool. Yeah, it's great to get those types of opportunities. And especially when they're paid at the same time, that's that's even more of a bonus. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And so that was like my highest paying job. But I also was very fortunate to have met with um, James Pitteresi in Binghamton, New York. He is super professional, incredible guy. He was actually my second shoot of anyone I've ever shot with and he had me published and that was my second shoot ever so that was like the biggest confidence boost like of my life not even of like my modeling career I was just like holy shit didn't matter how small of the publication it was it was a publication and I was a very small town girl and I was like this is crazy it's cool yeah so you mentioned that you got into modeling while you were on your healing journey like getting out of these like controlling relationships did you do any modeling while you were in any of those relationships? No, unfortunately, I didn't. I did small shoots like with my friends and stuff who had like started bands and things like that. Some of my friends started clothing companies and I would like model their clothing for them, but nothing too serious. Um, but I had always been interested when I was a really little girl, which I'm actually going to get these processed soon. But my sister had the disposable cameras and she always wanted to be a fashion designer. We would watch like Project Runway and America's Next Top Model. And yeah. we would watch them <laughs> all the time. And then I would be like the model and she would be the Project Runway. And she would like make all these outfits and like tie lights around me. And I would wear her heels and she would take photos of me all the time. It was my favorite thing to do when I was little. So I guess it was really like a dream of mine for a long time. Just never thought it was tangible. That's so cool. I used to watch America's Next Top Model also. And like, I thought that 
I basically thought that you had to do what they were doing on the show in order to like get into modeling. Yeah, that's literally the idea I had. I was like, I need an agent, I need a manager, like I need to be seven foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And then when, once I started getting more freelance shoots, when I was getting first into modeling, like for me, nobody like had you know shown me the ropes or whatever so like i just kind of did a bunch of tfp for like six years mostly and eventually people started asking me what my rates were because i had more and more of a portfolio but it's so great that you found some people that befriended you that brought you along and that photographer that mentored you i'm so fortunate but it has given me the worst case of imposter syndrome honestly oh really oh my god yeah can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I just sometimes I'll feel unqualified or incompetent among like other models who have been doing it for so long and really struggled. I've heard a lot of stories. I've actually listened to a lot of your podcasts. And, you know, sometimes I just feel like everyone knows what they're doing except for me. And I'm just kind of along for the ride. And I, I try to work very hard at not feeling that way because I know I've done my work. But Sometimes, like, if I accomplish something, I feel like it's just out of, like, good luck. Like, I just had luck with it, you know? Yeah, I can understand that also. Or, like, just not really thinking that it was that big of a deal or that, like, no, you know, nobody cares about it and why, why would I care about it type thing. Yeah. I think that's really common to have imposter syndrome. Even a lot of us that have been doing it for a really long time, it's just like, oh, I'm just, like, a chick that gets naked on the internet, honestly. Like, the makeup artist did all the work. The photographer did all the work. And you don't give yourself the credit for, like, you know, bringing what you bring to the table. Yeah, it's like, you know, since I didn't get here on my own, I question the abilities. You know, if you ask anyone I worked with, I always say I don't know how I got here or got this far because... I feel like sometimes without all of the help I had, maybe I wouldn't be here. And I don't know. I just kind of question that for myself sometimes. And sometimes I doubt if I can do it on my own. How long have you been modeling now? In March of next year will be three years. So two and a half years about. Sweet. Um, And like, I would say about two years of travel. But it's just been on and off, I think, for me too. On and off. So do you have like other income that from sources outside of modeling? I don't anymore, but I used to work a lot in between. I even before modeling, I had a cleaning company in in North Carolina that was doing pretty well. But then I again, I was in one of those abusive relationships. So I moved back to New York and kind of started over. I sold my company and just started uh, working in a warehouse. Honestly, I was just a normal warehouse worker. Wow, that's cool. You know, like I've met a lot of people that have been in like food, like in the restaurant industry that ended up getting into modeling or bartending or baristas and a lot of nurses. But I haven't met anybody that worked in a warehouse or ran their own like business, like a cleaning business like you you had. So so you you're must be a really hard worker. I am. But at the same time, like I do get down and kind of like find myself shutting down a lot because of I'm autistic. So when I first started modeling, I was actually in the middle of my diagnosis. I had been diagnosed with ADHD and OCD for a long time. And I just didn't feel I resonated completely with it. So I just furthered my therapy. And um, I ended up being diagnosed with autism, which was like a huge 
step back for me and kind of helped me realize, I guess, a lot, a lot of things in my life and where I had been making mistakes and things that I've done that I truthfully regret deeply. And, you know, I just feel like I haven't always been in the right state of mind to make decisions. So working on that has improved me so much. And I feel so much better about myself being able to work through it now. That's amazing. And having a handle on mental health when you're a freelance traveling model is really important because if you're not like, you know, self-aware, then it's easy to burn out or or to like... Oh, absolutely. It was As much as I appreciated all of the help and I am not... I never regret any of the help that I got. It did kind of push me into a lot really fast and overwhelmed me. Like it was just really too much for me all at once. And I had just kind of changed my life from being like this average person that never thought I would be, you know, doing my dream into doing my dream and then not really being able to maneuver it because it felt like there was so much to learn all at once. That makes a lot of sense. Being in this industry, there can be a lot of rumors and Some of them do hold truth, but there is a lot of he said, she said, where things get confused. So I kind of just hold back from exposing my personal life all of the time because I don't necessarily always think it's worth it to defend yourself or give energy to something that's so blatantly untrue and painful. I was bullied a lot in school. I had a lot of rumors made up about me and I just don't have the energy to give it now. Word. Yeah, that's understandable. So with your modeling, do you feel that your modeling has a persona that you can move into while you're modeling that's separate from your personal life? Oh, absolutely. I think that was actually one of my biggest challenges was finding my niche and finding my competence. But it's like as soon as I get behind the camera, the whole world melts away and I just feel extremely powerful. I feel like I can be anyone I want to be in that moment. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I get that too. Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know, I guess modeling is just like my creative outlet. Like I wish I could paint or draw or, you know, I do write a lot of poetry. But other than that, I can't really have a super creative outlet. I guess photography and modeling is that for me because I can portray the image that I'm thinking in my mind just using my body and the environment around me. Yes. And I think that's really valid. I think when you are the subject of a photo, when you're the model in the photo and you're actively aware of, you know, the photographer and their intent and you're working together, that's still creativity. It's still a valid form of creativity. Oh, absolutely. And some of the concepts that you get to do that really resonate with you can sometimes just alter your brain chemistry. They just kind of change your life. It's cer- it's certainly a release in some form. I agree. So I have this part of my podcast that I like to call the photo shoot fail of the week. I'd like for you to describe a photo shoot that was crazy, either because the situation surrounding the shoot was crazy, or perhaps the photographer themselves was crazy. I have a couple. Luckily, nothing too crazy. Okay, cool. (laughs) You can tell more than one if you want, if if you think that they're interesting. (laughs) Honestly, just starting as a brand new model and then like I kind of got thrown into it really fast, which I felt really lucky for, but it was a little overwhelming. I was like, I don't really know what to do or where to go. So I kind of always made sure I had someone with me 
so one of my like first like higher paying photo shoots I was recommended by one of my really good model friends Chandra she's awesome and he was really cool at first we had shot together and it was fine and then I went to shoot with him again but he had booked a hotel this time around so I was like okay and this was also my first time shooting in a hotel setting which is actually like super common for me now but he kind of met me outside and I had a chauffeur with me one of my really good friends he's kind of built I was like yeah this is like my bodyguard like this is gonna be great and he was like no you can't come in and as a newer model I was like I knew that there was something weird like that wasn't right I shouldn't have even gone into the shoot but I guess I was like, oh, it's all right. I'll just have him wait out here in the parking lot during my shoot. It'll be okay. But then he asked if he could use the bathroom and he wouldn't even allow him into the bathroom, like to use the bathroom in the hotel. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is really getting fucking weird. I was like, so I'm going to be really hesitant. And if I, I'm going to keep all my stuff together. So if I need to grab it and go, I'll grab it and go. Uh. So I guess it started off pretty normal, but then he started offering me like open bottles of like alcohol and like wine and stuff. And I was like, hmm. I know that's a no-go and I also don't drink. So I was like, this is easy. I just, no, no, thank you. And I guess it was pretty normal. I mean, he had some weird requests. Like he wanted my hair and braids, which was fine. But like, I don't know. He kept like tugging on them to move them and stuff without asking permission to touch me. And then I was like, so I was like, I can do that myself. I'll adjust it myself. And then he was like handcuffing me, putting like different things on me, like holding me back. That was also my first time shooting any of that. So I was like really skeptical. So we get through the shoe and I have like a collar on that locks and I have hand locks and I have ankle locks. And he's like, I just want to do this concept where you're holding your shoes and like you're looking at the camera, but you have a blindfold on. Is that okay? And I was like, "Mm, okay, but I'll put it on myself. So I left like a little room where I could see a ball gag and went to just put it in my mouth and put it on me without like without asking at all. I was like, is that clean? And he was like, uh, yeah, I cleaned it. I was like, no, I only like use stuff like that brand new. Like, I don't want something that was in some, like you could see it was dirty. It was gross. Ugh, gross. It was so gross. So he was like, all right, I'll just shoot it without it. So I was like, okay. Um, and this was like our last 30 minutes of our shoot. And I was like, so ready for it to be over. And then I see him like slowly walking over to me underneath the blindfold. And he comes over, like pulls my legs forward and just, puts his hands on like really close up to my privates and like up on my thighs and just pulls my lips apart. (gasps) And I was like, no, I literally just said no. And I like as fast as I could, like unshackled myself and left without payment and everything, like just grabbed my stuff and left. I was horrified. And that was literally within the last 30 minutes of the shoot. And he like tried to chase me out and like down the hallway. And I was like, get away from me like that was so scary but I had told my chauffeur if I didn't answer within like every 30 minutes to come up to the room and wait outside the door so luckily my chauffeur was right outside the door oh my god but he he did like chase us down the hall never yeah it was just crazy he's like some I don't know and he's like some super buff old guy like there's no reason for him to be so freaking buff he was so strong that's weird Like, you know, when Uh you go into a shoot with, like, someone older and you're like, it's all right. Like, if I needed to, I could definitely, like, outrun him, overpower him. It's going to be fine. No. Like, as soon as he grabbed me and I saw, like, the muscles on, like, this 65-year-old man, I was like, there's something wrong here. That's creepy. He's probably taking, like, testosterone or something. Yeah, literally. Uh, He's, I don't know. (laughs) He goes to, like, all these erotic festivals. I guess I was only the third, second model he had ever shot, actually. The first person he had ever shot wasn't a model, just a friend. Oh, geez. So he definitely didn't have the etiquette. 
I have a lot of weird experiences, but <laughs> I guess like one of the most startling experiences for me, I was just utterly shocked. I went to a workshop with one of my really good friends, my best friend, Julia Wagner. She's amazing. And she had a workshop planned and she's so kind that she had actually been kind of telling people about me and that I was with her and that during the one-on-ones they should book with me, which was super cool. So one person did decide to book with me, even though it wasn't my workshop. I thought that was really cool. So I was like, awesome. He booked a half hour of fashion. He just wanted like, you know, like a wife beater and like ripped blue jeans and like that kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was wearing. And I was not wearing any less. (laughs) So that's, that's very important to know. But we're shooting and everything seems fine. And he's like, starts to like kind of drool over his camera. He's like, wow, you're so beautiful. Like you, your eyes are amazing. Your body is amazing. And I look down and he is like fully erect. Like (gasps) can see see everything. Like it's just pressed against his shorts, like as hard as it could be. And then he makes like this weird noise. Oh my God. He makes the weirdest noise. He was like, ugh. And I was like, what the fuck? So I looked down and he literally came in his pants. And I was oh my wearing fucking God. <laughs> a shirt and jean shorts. And I was just in shock. And luckily it was like the end of the half hour. But oh my God. I like ran out to the car after and I looked at Julie and I was like, that man just came in his pants. What? And she was like, what the fuck? She's like, why didn't you tell me when we were in there? I was like, it was the end of the shoot. I just wanted to leave. <laughs> Oh my god, dude. What? But the worst part, the worst part is I was going to another shoot after that and I told the photographer about it and he was like, wouldn't that be flattering? I was like, absolutely not. That no, that's weird. That's really weird. Like what So then I got a red flag for that photographer too. I was like, I don't know, that was weird. (laughs) Yeah, like do you want to come in your pants too, man? Like Mm -hmm, mm -mm. Whoa. whoa like does he have like a jeans and white wife beater fetish like what? i don't like, know what it was and he was wearing cargo shorts too so like and they were like light tan so like when he came in his pants like it was significantly darker like you it was very obvious whoa that is so bizarre that almost feels like like it it's so bizarre that it almost feels like a prank but i'm Literally, sure i was like what just happened <laughs> Oh my god. Whoa. That's the first time I've heard that before. I've heard of photographers getting boners or trying to whip it out at a shoot, but I haven't heard of them coming in their pants. He even adjusted a few times, which, oh, oh my god, I forgot. I forgot when he adjusted, he literally said to me, he was like, "Um, I'm so sorry, this doesn't happen. I'm not trying to be weird. I was like, it's fine. And then, because it was literally the last five minutes of the shoot, I was like, it's fine. I'm about to leave. And then he came in his pants. Dude, whoa. Oh my god. (laughs) But I was in DC and, you know, the guy I was shooting with, he also had like a massive boner and he like rushed the end of the shoot. Like he felt awkward, you could tell. I don't know if he meant to do that. Oh my god. But then the guy in DC too, he was like, you should just move to DC and we should just exclusively shoot together. I was like, what the fuck? Whoa. I was like, I saw your boner, dude. Don't. Yeah. That makes it extra weird. Literally. Oh, man. How awkward. I wouldn't even know what to do in that situation. (laughs) 
Wait, leave. <laughs> That's yeah, all leave, I could right? Do. <laughs> like, does this guy still shoot? Like, I wonder. Oh, yeah. if- I don't know about the first one that came in his pants. I have no idea because he was actually at a workshop. So I don't know if he shoots outside of that workshop. And I don't want to name the workshop because actually the person who runs it is really nice guy. And I'm sure if I brought it up to him, he would not be okay with it. I just didn't say anything. And that's yeah, no, no worries. (laughs) But (laughs) I know that the guy in DC is still shooting. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And there's one really well known photographer who kind of has like, you know, quite a following. He has his own. Everyone knows him. I don't have to get into it. But he, I had shot some TFP in trade for hosting with him. And I had done this once before and we did lingerie. So he asked if we could do nude this time. And I agreed because I felt I had built up a certain trust with him. And then he asked for open leg. And I was like, all right, because we were really mostly only shoot between 15 and 30 minutes of TFP with him. So I was like, okay, I, I'll do some open leg just because I felt I had built a good relationship with him and I can be lenient with people I've trust with. And he also offers hosting for as many days as I would have needed it. So I didn't mind. But then he looks at me and says, you know, you should take your fingers and spread your lips and lick your fingers and get it a little wet. That's a pro tip. That's what he said to that's me. That's a pro tip. He said, that's a pro tip. He was like, you want to show your pink. It looks better for photos. And I was like, I, I'm not stupid. <laughs> I know that pinks is certainly different from open leg. And so after that was actually the last time I wanted to work with him. So I canceled myself from going to his next event and he followed up by asking my mentor photographer if my excuse was true or not and going out of his way to speak to people that I work with and find out more about me he's actually still following me and I am not following him anymore what and when he said he knows that I can't use any of my photos for or any open like photos or anything like that for any of my outlets just because I sim- I just don't have them Definitely thought about it, like Patreon to share my work and things like that. But I don't have that yet and made it a point to just only send me sets of nudes and open leg and things like that after I had stopped following him. So it was in my message request. I didn't see it till recently, actually. Oh, I wonder what he's doing with the photos. I don't know. And I don't want to know. Honestly, I think he's a really shysty guy. I think what he's running feels very pimpish to me and I didn't want to be a part of it. Yeah. Is this guy in Baltimore by chance? This guy is located in Maryland. Absolutely. I, I think I know who. I'm not going to say his name, but I'm pretty sure I know. You who. don't want to say his name because we'll get sued. Oh, okay. Well, then I definitely know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> he Honestly, gave me the worst vibes the last time we shot together. I was so uncomfortable and he asked a lot of very personal questions and definitely tried to dig his way into my life and I heard a rumor that he wanted to basically recruit me for his group after that certain event this past May. What? That is so weird. Yeah, I was like, I'm gonna pass on that. (laughs) Yeah, like he's already like made you uncomfortable with that like pink open leg request. A lot of that was trying to be forced into sex work. Um, Even one of the models I worked with often tried to book, like, because they were trying to help me. And I understand this model was really trying to book me work, but I was very, I was still fairly new and I was uncomfortable enough with my body that I didn't want to do certain sex work things um, or fetish work, which I 
do touch on now. I actually love doing fetish work. My favorite is like getting slimed. I can talk about Sweet. that after. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, that was actually my favorite shoot ever. Most fun I've ever had. But a lot of times when she was helping me book shoots, she'd be like, hey, I booked this shoot, but you have to use a dildo. Is that okay? And it's like, no, that's not okay. And definitely had a struggle with that. So it was like even just the environment that was provided with that group what made me uncomfortable. Yeah. That would be uncomfortable. And with modeling, it seems that, like, you have to learn how to set your boundaries, like, as these things are coming at you. Because nobody, like, if you have a mentor, they can give you an idea of, like, you know, decide what you want to do and decide what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with. But there's still always going to be things that you didn't even think about, like, in advance. Like, oh, am I comfortable with this or not? But when somebody's kind of putting you on the spot and asking you, hey, are you cool with this? Or like just telling you to do it, whether, and you don't even know whether or not you feel comfortable doing that, it puts you in a tough spot. Yeah, it's put me in a lot of uncomfortable positions, even when, you know, one model kissed me during a shoot, completely unexpected. And I was in a very committed relationship and it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, that would make me really uncomfortable too. Yeah. And and then you don't want to like it's it's sort of ingrained for us as women in America in a patriarchal society that we're supposed to like not, quote, be a bitch. And like we're supposed to make people around us comfortable. So to put up a boundary and say, hey, stop or hey, I don't want to do this. Like we're we're sort of taught, like even from a young age, that that's not acceptable. So it makes it hard when you're getting into like nude modeling and and stuff that you actually have to learn how to say no yeah and it's really hard because you want to be accepted and you also want to make money of course especially when you give up whatever you were doing to make modeling your main income you start to create a lot of fine lines for yourself without meaning to and then you end up regretting some things which i think is like super sad in this industry yeah that's, I really like hearing that from your perspective because when I had been traveling for my first few years, I definitely had a different perspective of my own comfort zone and like, you know, things that I would do for pay. I would kind of accept certain shitty behavior or annoying behavior or creepy behavior because I was getting paid. And I really burned out on that. I, I would like to hear from your perspective, like, where do you put the line for yourself? Like, how how weird is too weird? Like, like at what point do you have to, like, verbally tell somebody, hey, this isn't cool? Yeah, so I know, like, we all have those photographers that we know they're a little bit off, but we still work with them because they're not posing a threat and things like that. So I guess the question is, how do you know if somebody's posing a threat against you or is making you uncomfortable enough to be like, something could happen here? And I really think it just comes down, the the people I've just completely cut out and blacklisted, it all, always comes down to, are you grunting and moaning over the camera? Are you asking me to get into poses or are you asking me to get into sex positions? You know, are you respecting my boundaries that I have? Because uh, I do have like a, a booking policy that I send to everybody. Um, like, are you respecting that right off the bat? Are, are you actually reading my boundaries? And so I guess it really just comes down to that. If if you're grunting and moaning and completely sexualizing me, I'm going to say something. I have said something. There's one photographer that I actually worked with at that studio I was speaking of earlier who just 
was asking me to get into downward dog and just saying I had a beautiful vagina and just saying he wanted to lick it. Like, oh my that's, God. that is where I draw my line. Yeah, because it's, it's putting you in a spot where you're like, you're not sure if they're going to physically assault you or not. And you don't want to get to that point. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, if you're talking to me and we're talking about booking and you're telling me you want to make art and you want to make something beautiful and then we get into a shoot and it's like that, you've completely misled me. And if you want to shoot like that, we can talk about it. I don't like being misled, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? You put the you hit the nail right on the head. If somebody says they want to do something creative, artistic, and then you show up and it seems that their entire purpose for doing the shoot is completely different than what they had presented it as. And they're trying to trick you into doing like, you know, crotch shots and stuff. Like it completely ruins it. Like when that happens, my mood completely changes too. And it's hard to, you know, have to be the one to say, hey, like, this isn't cool. Like, I'm not comfortable, especially when it's a paid shoot and you have to wait till the end of the shoot to get paid. And if you put up a boundary, you're probably not going to get paid if they get upset with you, right? Exactly. Which led me to doing that whole four-hour shoot in Syracuse with that guy where I just left and did not get paid. That sucks. It did suck. But also my safety definitely was at risk there. So I don't regret that at all. (laughs) That sucks. Yeah, that's happened to me a couple of times too, where like the photographer was so creepy that I had to say, like, you're making me uncomfortable. And that basically ended the shoot. It's only happened to me a couple of times, but I definitely remember every time that it's happened. So that's why I feel very fortunate to be amongst such seasoned models like yourself, Rebecca Lawrence, um, anybody in that NIMPA chat, Dakota Lee is absolutely amazing as well. Just these people I look up to and, you know, the way that you guys conduct yourselves and the way you guys do have these chats for people for safety and recommending people and having anti-recommendations, like it really does help a newer model. And, you know, we did, I do have the opportunity as a newer model to skip some of those horrible experiences because of you know, the lines that you and your other peers have drawn for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the community has become stronger and continues to get stronger. There's more and more safety groups. It's becoming more cool to actually help each other out. So like, I think that's fantastic because when I started, like I started modeling, I'm 36 now. I started when I was 18, like 18 years ago. <laughs> Holy that cow. oh my gosh, that's amazing thanks it it um i mean i started when i was on myspace there was not a community at all there was people were not giving each other contacts there was not facebook groups or anything like that i don't even think that f- facebook i think was just just for the first time invented it, there was definitely not like groups i didn't i didn't get like advice from other models until I like physically met one in person and then was able to ask them in person some questions and so I was kind of like running around like shooting in the dark for many years like I did TFP for like six years and then once I started traveling in 2012 and left my restaurant job it still took until about I think 2014 or 2015 for me to be invited to a Facebook group where people gave each other advice 
But that group was really, really strict on who they let in. Like you had to already be an established model. They didn't have like any newer models in that group at all. Like you had to be established. So it seemed kind of clicky. And over time, I, I just felt like this is unfair. Like why are the Facebook groups that, that are for us to help each other out so like hard to get into because it makes it so that the newer models like couldn't get the help that they needed. So now I find that there's more and more groups with less experienced models that are actually getting the help that they need. So, so th- there's still a lot of room for improvement, but I'm seeing that it is improving and, and I'm happy about that because when I started, it was so frustrating to be like worrying about getting murdered or like like yeah. checking references is good, but like it's not foolproof. It, like knowing somebody personally and being able to ask them what their experience with so and so is a lot. It's a lot better. Like knowing somebody like through a community of trusted people online rather than just like trying to get an answer from somebody on Model Mayhem, which is like near impossible now. <laughs> I know. Oh my god, Model Mayhem itself is just such a outdated. But they need to update that thing. Yeah, no. If you've you've been modeling for about three years, like the whole time, that whole time, Model Mayhem has not been what it used to be. Like back in like two thousand eight, when is when I started my page on Model Mayhem. Between then until like two thousand fourteen or so, it was great. Like I got I booked all of my shoots on Model Mayhem. Ton, tons of people were using that site. And not not so much anymore. Now most of my bookings come from Instagram and recommendations from other models. Yeah, it's so Instagram based and yeah. definitely recommendation. I think networking is probably the most important part of this industry. Probably most industries, but definitely if you want to make it far here, you have to you have to be personable. You have to talk to people. You have to get recommendations. You have to yeah. know people to go to different cities, you know? Yeah, it is it is definitely like a, oh, I've called it an underground railroad of traveling nude models because we, <laughs> we all like kind of know each other and give each other our contacts and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool. And I definitely attribute a lot of my current success to like all of you guys sharing your contacts and sharing your knowledge on traveling. Even I remember Rebecca sent like a list of credit cards that helped with very specific things in travel and that has Mm -hmm. helped me so much (laughs) like even just little things like that the experience sharing has been so beneficial and I I know I'm speaking for other new models when I say like we're very grateful yeah totally I mean I learned about uh the QuickBooks self-employed app that kind of makes it easier to file your taxes at the end of the year through another traveling model. And now I don't know what I would have done without that app because yeah. it, it helped me categorize my deductions and my my miles and my gas and stuff. Absolutely. See, it's like stuff like that. That's like, I wouldn't have thought about it on my own, you know? I know. I know taxes when you first start are so overwhelming. I was like, uh, what do yeah. I do? But I mean, don't don't feel I mean, I can't tell you how to feel or not feel, but I'm just saying that like you put yourself out there and you work hard, you know, you you post your stuff on social media, you book your shoots. And one thing that I've learned over the course of being a traveling freelance model is that like 90% of it is just 
showing up when you say you're going to show up and like doing, you know, the shoot. I think that being reliable will set you apart from like all the other models like 10 times over because the number one complaint I hear from photographers is that the model was late or the model flaked out without calling. So just being there is the most important. And and only you can do that. Like your friends can give you advice, but only you can like bring yourself to get there. And that's so important. Exactly. Which is why, you know, I learned a lot about that too. I return deposits if I can't make it to a shoot. Like, you know, you have to, you can't burn bridges. You know, it's only, you can only burn so many before you've burned yourself out. True And that. that is something I'm learning myself. So that's huge, though. That's massive. A lot of people don't even get to that point. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of have to, like, for myself, I had to take a step back and evaluate what I was doing, like, what I was thinking, and just who I am and resurface back to who I am and who I want to be and how I want to be perceived. And I think in doing that, you can refine yourself, reground yourself, and then come back and be a better person. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that what you just said about burning bridges, so many people don't get that like idea ingrained into them until it's too late and they've already like burned their reputation. But a lot of people get worried before a shoot or they get insecure and they'll want to come up with a reason to cancel. But the more you do that, the more other photographers are going to talk and say, you know, she wasn't there. She canceled last minute. And I'm sure photographers keep their own little blacklists and tell each other about it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're like, you know, they'll talk to each other and then someone will say, well, they flaked on me. And then it kind of gives you that reputation of being flaky or not present or maybe, you know, it just kind of wastes people's times because they have this book, they have an idea set, they're ready to go. And I myself between all my medical issues have definitely crossed those bridges, but I don't feel necessarily that I've burned them because again, I do reschedule or return deposits or communicate as well as I can. And I think that's, that's important. Yeah, that's Um, major. I mean, that's professionalism. That's great. Yeah, but I guess this past year, it's just been hard. I lost my grandmother and my brother. And through that has been really difficult to communicate um just trying to heal from that I do have two beautiful nephews that I love more than anything in this world that my brother did leave behind that I've really been trying to help my sister with and so the last couple of months I haven't been really active and that that is why wow that's heavy it's been a really hard year especially just being diagnosed with my autism kind of and I've I made the biggest mistake I've ever made in my life toward one of my really good friends this year And trying to evaluate all of that has just been, it's been difficult, like, but I'm trying to get, again, back to, like, who I am, what I stand for, why I started doing this in the first place. That's cool. I have another question that I like to ask everybody on the show, and oftentimes by the time we get to this question, we've kind of already touched on this topic without even, like, asking the question yet, but I call it the rising phoenix. Can you describe a situation where you were faced with a challenge that you had to overcome? And it could be related to your modeling or not. It could be like changing your your income or your rates or overcoming an insecurity or overcoming a situation in general with your modeling or not. One of the 
bigger challenges I face, I guess, has been knowing who I am. And it's hard because I did a lot of masking growing up, you know, not really just kind of trying to fit in. I just wanted to have friends fit in with people. So I would mask often and just kind of let them perceive me how I thought they wanted to perceive me instead of being myself. And overcoming that with therapy and, and other things really has changed my life. And, you know, when I was younger, I was prescribed Xanax at 14 years old. So I wow. was very out of it and out of touch. And I think that contributed a lot to my masking and not being able to find myself because I was kind of a walking zombie for a long time. And I was pretty addicted. So even after coming off my medication, I found a lot of ways to to buy it anyways. Um, and I think that's when I realized I had a problem and I had an addiction. I am four years clean now. And wow, congrats. Thank you. It'll be December 17th of this year will be four years clean. And ever since being clean, that really pivoted into finding myself. And I really do kind of love the person that I've become. Even through my mistakes, I learn more about myself. So I'm just trying, trying my best. <laughs> But I think overcoming like uh, my addiction and finding myself and my masking was like the biggest thing for me because that is what helped me. Because now that it's been about three years modeling, you know, that year that I took off to heal and to become sober and to find myself opened up so many doors in life in general, not just modeling. Wow, that that really is painting the whole picture of your healing journey from being in the toxic relationships to overcoming addiction and then stepping back and then becoming a traveling freelance model. Like I'm, I'm starting to like feel like I kind of understand your, your trajectory from the last few years. And I think that's really cool. That is really cool. Thank you. I'm, I really appreciate that you wanted to get to know me. That's like one of the best feelings in the world. I, and that was one of my biggest problems that I would talk about too, is that it felt like nobody knew me. And I knew that was partially my fault because I didn't really know myself. So how could anybody really know me? So I really am super grateful for this opportunity to like, you know, share who I am, That's where cool. I come from, because nobody's perfect or has a perfect life. I, I mean, I was emancipated at 15 years old. Oh, um, holy cow. So it's just been... I guess I just got tired. I got really overwhelmed and I got really tired. And now I'm, I just turned 25 last month and I kind of felt like I hit my quarter life crisis and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So with all this, with like the, all the modeling that you've been doing and the success that you've had and the new things that you've learned and like the, the building of, of your modeling career, do you see yourself doing this for like an extended period of time? I have really been thinking deeply on that. I mean, I even have like a note in my notes that I actually was going to share last month about quitting modeling and I was fully ready to commit to quitting. And the more I look at it and I do have support and I do have friends in this industry and it has changed my life, given me so much confidence and made me a better person, helped me find myself, helped me travel, which I've always loved to do. I do want to continue doing this as long as I possibly can. I, I enjoy it more than anything I've done in my life. That's awesome. I mean, coming, so I was in a, a similar boat when I was turning 26 
I was like, okay, nobody's going to want to photograph me because most model castings on Craigslist or Model Mayhem are set to like 18 to 25. We're looking for 18 to 25 year olds. And so I thought after I turned 26, nobody's going to want to shoot me anymore. And so I, I was like, all right, I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. But here I am and I'm 36 and I'm still doing it. Yeah. And you're killing it. So like, Oh my God, kind of meeting you at Muses was kind of crazy. I was like a little bit starstruck for a second because I, I like I've followed you and I've looked at your stuff. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Like this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. This is how far I want to go and do this as a career. I really think it's amazing what you're doing and you're killing it. Like you're doing a great job and you look amazing. Like you really did fool me when you said 36. I don't know what a 36 is supposed to look like, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but you look amazing and there's no reason for anybody to not want to shoot you. And Thank like you, you said, with having a good reputation and being reliable, like you are that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I think it's all important. It's all marketing. It's all, you know, managing the career. Part of it is, you know, being dependable. I also do like come up with these side projects where I'm like, oh, people aren't going to want to hire me because I'm getting old. So I should create a side business. And I've gone through these periods of time where I create side businesses and I'm like, all right, this is going to segue into a new career for me. But I always like end up booking shoots because I enjoy the process of the booking of the shoots. I mean, there is part of it that it's, um, it's familiar to me, but it's creative and I get to work with other people and it's a way to connect with people. And there hasn't been anything else that I've done that fits that need in my life the same way that modeling does. Yeah, it's like once you do it and you, then you think, oh, maybe I should stop and maybe do something else. You're like, I don't think anything else is going to fulfill this for me. Like there will be that emptiness because modeling does fulfill so many different parts of your soul. Yeah. And I, mean, I love I, meeting new people now, too, that I can actually communicate with people. Yeah. It, like, I think a lot of photographers have said similar things that they're like, you know, they weren't popular in high school or they don't really have a social life. But when they do a photo shoot, they can have conversations with the models that they work with and it gives them a way to connect people also. So it goes both ways a lot of the time. Yeah, and I've noticed a lot more like genuinity between the relationships between like model and photographer, like just, you know, a really good working relationship. It's like when you're friends with your coworkers type of thing, like you can see them at work and then it's all good and you have a good time and you get to talk and then you go about your life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, aside from all the, you know, crazy stories that like, we all enjoy sharing because they're fucked up or funny or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of, most of it is like really good people that just want to connect and create good photos. Yeah. Like there was this one guy in Connecticut. He was a little weird. He brought his baby to the shoot and then he had to drop off his baby and then said it was like his wife's boyfriend's. And I still never asked him about it, but I did have my boyfriend with me at the time and he, I am fairly certain he was trying to talk us into an orgy with his wife. <laughs> but he's a really nice guy and he didn't push it so like Whoa. there's some weird ones that aren't specifically awful but we keep doing it because of all the great times that we have yeah oh by the way i just remembered tell me about the slime fetish thing oh my god the 
the, first of all, it's like the most amazing couple in the world that run it. They are the sweetest people in the entire world. <laughs> and they're so cool and easygoing and laid back. But you kind of go and you shoot with them and they have like this whole production set up. And there's like, when you first walk in, you're like, oh my God, this is a murder scene. Because there's literally like plastic all over the walls and like there's just buckets of stuff you don't know what's in it. <laughs> And but it's really funny. They do like cake batter and then like a like a mixture to make it slimy. They add something into it like gelatin or something. And then they add colors and they like dump this warm slime all over you and they pie you in the face and like you're laughing the whole time and having a great time. You really they just want you to be yourself but get slimed. And it's always warm. It's not cold because I've done one where they slimed me with the cold. They did not care. They just used the coldest slime. They did not care. But these people like genuinely cared about your your level of comfort. And they were just so sweet. Like they walk you to the bathroom. It, it, they're adorable. And that is my favorite fetish couple or shoot or anything to do like I don't know what it was but like it was fun it's like a big slip inside once you're like in it that's awesome yeah that sounds like a great time (laughs) it is like actually their name is the fetish couple on Instagram they're awesome I should just give them a shout out because they're wonderful Shout out to the fetish couple. I I have done a shoot in Texas with a guy that did something that was similar where we got pied in the face, dumped, I think it was cake batter, or I think one of them was marshmallow cream, which was really hard to get out of my hair. Oh my god, sticky. Yeah, yeah. So there was some sticky stuff going on. But but yeah, he, the idea he said was you want to be completely covered, eyes, ears, hair, nose, everything. And that's what the customers of the website like. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. I got to wear like these Converse, like these really cool Chuck Taylors and just absolutely destroy them. That was a lot of fun too. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, fetish modeling can be really fun. It's weird though because when you put fetish like on your list of things that you'll do for a shoot, some people think that that means porn for some yeah, reason. Yeah, that goes back to boundaries for sure. Yeah. They're like, oh, fetish? What kind of fetish? And I'm like, well, right. tickling and balloons and stuff. Like, it, it's a huge, <laughs> huge category. It is a huge category. That's why, like, in my booking policy, I'll just put, like, I have a big list of will not shoot. So my will not shoot is, like, fetish except for A, B, and C. Yeah. I'll put mild fetish, and if they want to ask what that means, then I'll just, like, go further into detail. Yeah, that's why I don't use the word erotic anymore either, because there is such a different description of erotic between person to person. Yeah, like so many people think erotic just means close-ups of your crotch. Wait, it doesn't have to mean that. <laughs> yeah, they're like erotic, they like pinks, like insertion, like what? <laughs> right, yeah, it's it's a gray area. <laughs> yeah, I guess my favorite comment is like people will be like, will you do this with me? I'll be like, no, that's not within my boundaries. I don't do that. And they're like, well, I saw you do it with SIG. And I'm like, that is literally, I said no. <laughs> Yeah. Or if I, I have an OnlyFans, people will say, oh, I see you're doing this on your OnlyFans. Will you do this for me at the shoot? And I'm like, OnlyFans is not modeling. Like I put modeling content on there, but I also put a lot of other stuff on there that I'm not doing at photo shoots. It's, yeah. it's not the same thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Your boundaries with your photo shoots, like, or your boundaries outside of your photo shoots have nothing to do with your boundaries inside of your photo shoots. Yeah, exactly. Also, like for me, the main thing is that I don't want somebody else to have 
explicit content of me that they have the copyright to because if it goes up on Pornhub or like some freebie website where it's all over a Google search, I don't, if I've signed a release, I can't get that content taken down. But if it's my content, I can control like where it ends up. So exactly. And wherever it ends up is then your responsibility and you don't have to be mad or hold anybody else accountable but yourself. True. Um, Which is why like up till now, which I still am considering even opening my own pages, but that's why I completely trusted doing the work I've done with SIG models. They have a really high security and they are very trusted and they have paperwork that you sign that says, you know, it won't go anywhere except for their trusted outlets, you know, and they they have certain paperwork that they do to sell their work also with their clients. That's good. It's good that they have that. Well, we are getting pretty close to our hour here. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we go? For any of the girls that struggle with endometriosis, I know that it's very hard. And I'm proud of you for pushing through it because traveling and having endometriosis and modeling is incredibly difficult. You have endometriosis? I do. And it is horrible. Actually, I don't know if this is TMI. I'm so sorry if it is, but I did just recently get my period like this week and I was even worried about being able to do the podcast because it's really debilitating. That sucks. I know a few people who have endometriosis and it sounds like a nightmare. Is your is your period at least like generally on schedule? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, that sucks. Well, what can you do? <laughs> Um, it's hard because a lot of people will say well birth control will you know even it out but unfortunately if you have too high of blood pressure and you have endometriosis you get blood clots in your legs um, as it is and certain birth controls can actually make the clots bigger and heighten your risk of having a stroke oh fuck that that's not worth it right so it's like they're really isn't much you can do besides, you know, try to have a good diet and exercise. But even then, it's, you know, if your uterus is growing on the outside or on your fallopian tubes and things like that, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had some like really painful periods, but I, I couldn't imagine what it's like to have endometriosis. I just based on what I've learned from the few people that I know that have had it like bad, like, it sounds like a nightmare, like literally like a and nightmare. And a, a lot of women go undiagnosed because, you know, we're always told our cramps are bad. You know, it's just your period. And I lived like that for a very long time without. And honestly, even now I'm still living with it. But at least I have some type of answers. I'm not so scared when I have my period or when it's late or early or, you know, sometimes my period will last eight days and there's nothing I can do about it. That sucks. Have you ever been like on a tour and then like had to totally cancel it because of your endometriosis? I have not ever totally canceled a tour since I have had it for a long time. I did when I was younger lose jobs due to it where I would have to call out and several days in a row just because I physically could not walk. I get to that point now, but what I'll do is I'll reschedule for my second or third day of my period when it's a, the pain is more manageable. Yeah. But if I can't reschedule, I have shot, I have shot like the day I got my period just in excruciating pain and just pushed through it. Honestly, oh I have. it's literally all you can do because you'll be 
you'll be already on tour and you have to make enough money to at least get back home or profit in some type of way because you have bills to pay, right? Oh, um, that sucks. <laughs> it does. And unfortunately, even like um, it is so heavy that sometimes you can't just wear a tampon and I've bled through on sets and it's not great. <laughs> That sucks. Does does like mitol help or ibuprofen or is that just like not even close to helping? It helps a little bit. So I recommend always ibuprofen if you can't be prescribed Mobic. And Mobic is just an anti-inflammatory and it's like five to 10 milligrams will really help the inflammation. So most of the pain comes from being super inflamed super a lot of blood too puts a lot of pressure and that causes a lot of pain so that's really about all you can do I am lucky enough to be prescribed Mobic so it does help a lot but if you can't get Mobic 800 milligrams of ibuprofen should help you as much as it can Um, anything Uh. that's anti-inflammatory like that's what you want to focus on you don't want like a painkiller because that's not really focusing on what you need it yeah yeah, totally. Yeah, ibuprofen helps me when I'm on my period too. But yeah, that that sucks. And I'm sorry yeah, I don't. That. No, it's okay. I just feel like it's not talked enough about you know because we're all women and we all get our periods, and I don't think people take that into consideration as much as they should. Yeah, or or people assume that like you should know what day it starts when it's like like I. I, I was on the depot shot for five years and my, my period completely went away for that time. And then when I got off of it, it was my period didn't come back for over a year. And then when it oh, did wow. come back, it was very sporadic. It was like once every six months, once every two months, once every three weeks. So I had no idea when it was going to come. And then when it did come, it was either like almost nothing or it was like really heavy and really painful. And I just never knew what to expect. Yeah, and sometimes photographers, if you do go to reschedule, they sometimes won't believe you, you know? It's like, oh, I have my period, I can't shoot to it. They'll be like, can't you just throw a tampon in? And I'm like, uh, sir, you don't know a dick about shit right now, don't. Have you have you seen any of those videos online where they have, like, a little machine that has those pads that they stick on a guy's, like, lower abdomen, and, and it's supposed to, like, activate what the feeling is like when you're having period cramps? Oh, yeah. I would love to travel with one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Those are great. I saw one where, like, some ladies did it to a cop at, like, a a convention. And the the level 10 was, like, the most painful. And that that was the level that people with endometriosis have to feel. And the cop was, like, you know, screaming, take it off, turn it off. (laughs) It was was great. It was great. Yeah, that's how it is. I'm like, do you want to know why I can't shoot today here? Let me just hook you up really quick. Yeah, it's real. We're not stupid psychos that are just trying to bitch out. It's fucking real. (laughs) No, I swear if I could end it, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I've asked. I've asked for like a hysterectomy since it is just so much to deal with. And um, I've gotten fibroids from it. I have ovarian cysts. It just all goes hand in hand. And I'm like, just end it all. Take it. Take my whole entire inside. Yeah. So you've asked for a hysterectomy. And have you had resistance about that? They won't let me. What if you want to have kids one day? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm so young. They absolutely will not. They were. They were. That was the quickest no I've ever gotten in a doctor's office. Oh, my God. It's like what what if you wanted to get your tubes tied? Like would they Nope. 
No. Is it because of the the area that you live in? Or? I'm not sure. I mean, I live in upstate New York, which is a very liberal and pretty accepting state. Like we still have all of all of our rights that we would expect to have as humans. But there are there's always so much resistance about doctors with tying tubes or a hysterectomy or anything like that. Even with vasectomies, it's tough. They unless you're going to like I don't know. Maybe I know Planned Parenthood will oftentimes do vasectomies regardless. Um, but if you're going to like your primary doctor and you ask for a vasectomy or a hysterectomy, they're always going to advise against it if you're young. If you are under the age of 30, they are going to advise against it. That sucks. Oh, it yeah. definitely does. And they purposefully make it like super expensive and hard Naturally. to obtain. Naturally. That's awful. I would want a hysterectomy too if I was in your position, but at 25. And, yeah. Fair. And right now I'm I'm really saving to get like my teeth fixed, which is like one of my huge insecurities. I actually worked with this awesome photographer in Philly. Enoch is his name. He is such a kind guy. He was the first photographer to look at me and be like, who the fuck cares about your teeth? He was like, give me the best faces that you want to give me with or without your teeth. You're beautiful regardless. And that was like a pretty big deal to me because I kind of looked up to that photographer. He was really nice to me, really cool. And he was pretty well known and did really great work. So when he said that, it meant a lot to me. But right now I can't save for a hysterectomy. I have to save for my dental work. So yeah, I had a choice to make. Too. Oh my yeah. God, ridiculously expensive. And unfortunately with, you know, my brother passing away and things, I've been trying to help my family financially. So I haven't really been in the best financial spot of my life. Oh man. Yeah, that's rough. You're going through a little rough patch right now. But we're getting through it. We're getting through it. Everybody, we make it out alive and we make it out better and stronger. And that's, that's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> that's a good mindset to have. That's good. I mean, it's good to be positive about all those things. Yeah, as much as you can be. It's just sad. I mean, he's 33 years old and nobody deserves to lose their life at such a young age. I think that is kind of, for me, the saddest part of it, just feeling for my brother, just in that sense of not getting to watch his children grow up, you know? Yeah. That's really sad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring it to such a dark place. I did not mean that at all. No, it's okay. Uh, I mean, part of the reason I like doing these podcasts is because it shows that models are humans too. And we have struggles and, you know, we have feelings and like bad things can happen to us too. We're not just like mythical creatures. Oh, absolutely. Even just, I've been wanting to go to NIMBA since I started modeling. I just love the whole idea of nude in nature. I think it's really pretty. And just meeting, again, it's just another opportunity to network. And I unfortunately was hospitalized during that time. And so I had to miss out on that too. And it's just like, I wish some people would realize we don't want to miss some of these things. Like NIMBA has been one of my goals for a really long time. And, you know, human things did happen to me and then I wasn't able to make it. And I know there was a lot of speculation about why I didn't go. But truth, truthfully, I was hospitalized and I was going through kind of one of the hardest times of my life. Damn. And I definitely could not travel. I was going through a lot. Man, you know, stuff like that happens and we can't beat ourselves up about it or worry about what other people are going to think. I remember when my grandma died a few years ago, I had to cancel a trip. 
and I felt so bad that I was canceling the this tour that and I, I thought that people weren't going to believe me. So I took a photo from our family, like standing around our grandmother's deathbed together. And I included that in the email to all the photographers that I had to cancel with to tell them that my grandma was dying and I couldn't make the shoot because, you know, that's one of the things that they tease about so often, like, Oh, how many grandmas does she have? Like, is this true or not? Yeah. So I know, but now I look back on that and I'm like, God, did I really have to include that photo? They should just believe me. Like, you know, fuck. I, now I feel like, who do you have to prove things to, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I I ended up rescheduling that trip for a different time and mostly everybody ended up rescheduling and it was fine, but I was worried about it. I was worried about being perceived as uh, flaky, but stuff happens and it's not possible to make all your trips happen. Like most people don't like travel for work, but when you travel for work, it's like you have to be like, you can't be like getting hospitalized and traveling at the same time. It's just not possible like stuff happens and you can't you can't fix it right away and sometimes plans have to change so it's just how yeah but it's hard to accept because you know I'm also a people pleaser so (laughs) I hear you on that like yes we're yes men yeah (laughs) (laughs) well Sophia I feel like we could talk for hours but um it is about the end of the episode. I'm glad that you brought up the endometriosis because I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening might might have learned about it that they didn't know, like potentially photographers. <laughs> <laughs> potentially photographers. If you're listening, we are not lying. It is a medical problem. Yes, and sadly more common than you might think. Exactly, which is why I brought up people being undiagnosed and not even knowing that they have endometriosis we have to be easy on them too yeah true that all right well i'll include links to your social medias and any links that you want me to provide like if you had any other like stuff for the show notes of the podcast so that people can check you out i'll make sure to include that thank you so much probably just my instagram for now i'm reworking and uh changing up my twitter and things so that'll be available soon sweet yeah no problem all right well thank you for being on the podcast today it was great to have you and i'll talk to you soon thank you so much for having me i'll talk to you soon you're welcome